You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God, mind control, the last days, higher dimensions, unity, the power of faith, discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, folks, we are so excited about thefireplacechurch.org, and we had essentially started with this pattern where we were going to do this thing. Like, yeah, we're just going to post all of our Fireplace Church sermons right to YouTube after every service so those of you that miss the service can, you know, still enjoy what we're doing and, and the message and to be equipped and empowered. And then, then we said, well... We're going to make it very difficult for you guys. And the only way to get those archives, if you don't catch the live service, is to wait a week. And then you can only find it from visiting our archives at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Well, you know, folks, we've rethought our plan here. And I think it's only fair to everyone that we continue with the general posting where everyone can find it after the services have gone live. So I just wanted to make that announcement there. We, we rethought it. And yeah, they'll still be available from the archives at thefireplacechurch.org, which we hope you visit. And yeah, you know, we're still going to be running every Friday night at 7 p.m. CST. And, you know, if you don't show up for that, you'll miss the worship. And you'll also miss the internet-based moderated discussion groups, which is the community platform that we built it for. So anyway... Um, we invite you to join us, but for those of you that can't, times just don't work out and other things restrict you from being able to do that, we're going to make it easy again for you to get a hold of what we are producing. Now, uh, today we're going to be talking with our guest, special guest, Keenan Bridges, on prophetic prayer in the kingdom of God, part two. Really, really exciting stuff. 
you're going to really enjoy this program. Now, a few other things I want to throw out there. I am going to be speaking at a church in Houston this weekend, actually. I'll be there on July 3rd at 10 a.m. It is called Embassy Covenant in Houston. And so if you happen to be in Houston, you can look them up. And if you happen to be on my Facebook, I'll have their address. And you can hang out with Dan Duvall if you happen to be in the area. I'm really excited about this opportunity. And I'm believing that God and his kingdom are going to grow forth in power and glory. And so I am also going to be speaking in Australia. Now, some of you are asking, well, Daniel, what's the group that you're going to be? Where can we find you? How can we locate you? Well, um, one of the places that I'm going to be is with Gateway Church in Adelaide, Australia. Now, I'm going to Australia. I'm going to be flying out on uh, the 16th of July, and I'll be gone for two weeks. I won't be getting back till April, August 1st unless there's some kind of change in my, uh, you know, travel arrangements, which I don't anticipate. But I'm going to be at first with Gateway Church in Adelaide, Australia with someone that has been on my program twice now, Pastor Paul Tothill. And I'll be there for a week in Adelaide, and then I will be traveling to Port Macquarie and uh, the Tari areas. Uh, We'll be there. It's Tyree. And I will be with a group called Generation Fire. And so that's what's going on with my Australia trip. I'm going to be with two groups in two different parts of the country, one week at a time. Um, And so anyway, if you happen to be in Australia, those are the the, the venues that you can seek out, look up, and, and, and then find out what all I'm going to be doing while I'm there. So with that said, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Australia trip. We are covering it in prayer. If you listen to this and you're like, yeah, Daniel, how can I help you right now? Um, I'd like to help, but I don't have any way to financially support you or the survivors you're helping or the Fireplace Church or anything else, you know, and I don't really have um, a skill set that you're presently seeking out for what you're building at the moment. Well, here's how you can help. You can pray for us, man. Um, we want prayer covering for this Australia trip. And we believe that God is going to do some pretty awesome and amazing things. So if you want to seed Bride Ministries with something, um, you can definitely seed us with prayers for protection, covering, and for the move of God in in what we are going to be doing in Australia. And so, you know, in addition to that, it's a lot of the same folks. We are helping survivors every week. Survivors of satanic ritual abuse and and government-sponsored mind control agendas are being helped and they're being coached and they're making progress and having breakthroughs. Why? Because of you. Because you are sowing into Bride Ministries and Bride Ministries is sowing into the work of the kingdom. And we are not able to help these survivors without you right now. And we have plans. I mean, I, I really, and, and, and you know what? It's exciting because now it seems that doors are opening. I, I'm seeing the beginnings of them in multiple directions where business is actually going to be coming to the table, where we're going to be using actual profit through uh, various businesses that are, are, are going to 
be getting integrated, uh, not the least of which being a whole media studio, into what Bride Ministries does. I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. My vision is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. That is not an agenda for a 501c3 organization. Uh, we are going far beyond a 501c3 organization as this thing begins to unpack fully. But there are components of the vision that are being fulfilled through Bride Ministries as a 501c3 organization. And one of those is helping survivors and getting them coaching. And another one is uh, conducting and executing the Fireplace Church. Folks, we are doing it because of your generosity. And if you are looking for good ground to seed with your finances, Bride Ministries, we receive it in Jesus' name, man. And we want to thank all of you that have been supporting us all this time and continue to. Because without you, uh, the survivors wouldn't be getting helped. And we wouldn't be able to continue producing the Fireplace Church because it all costs. And, And so... You know, we are just excited because God is doing it. You're doing it. We're seeing a blossoming happen in everything we set our hands to. We're watching the Lord prosper it. The Lord's blessing is visible everywhere. And we just launched something new called uh, Support Groups for Survivors through Bride Ministries. Those are closed groups. They're for the survivors specifically that work with coaches that are aligned with Bride Ministries. But uh, we, we've launched that, which is another resource. Why? Because we're trying to find solutions and to help people and uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus. We have upcoming discipleship courses. We're going to launch the next phase in August. You guys will be getting an email about this soon if you are on our waiting list. If you're not, get on it. Man, these courses are changing lives. We do have hundreds of people on that waiting list, which means when the email to sign up comes in, I'd recommend just signing up as soon as you figure out which class you want to be in because the seats, they, well, they might sell out. And um, last time, I did open up more seats for the spiritual warfare class. This time, we, we have a lot more seats. It's just we're looking at, okay, there, there's a huge interest here. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I, I just invite you to sign up as soon as that comes in. And it, it will be coming in soon enough. Now, for those of you that have taken a spiritual warfare class, I've, I've heard you. And we are opening up something I'm calling advanced spiritual warfare. Now, some of you might be sitting in the audience and like, aha, that's what I need. Well, if you haven't signed up for the spiritual warfare class, you won't be able to take advanced spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, we're not going to send you an email at all. You have to take the spiritual warfare class if you want to be part of what I would call advanced spiritual warfare, which will be this. It'll be a whole day to basically get some advanced teaching and ask lots and lots and lots of questions because, you know, I know at least two or three of you in my listening audience may have some questions on some high level stuff or things you've heard, or some of you have a few questions you might want to ask. Well, the, the whole purpose of the advanced spiritual warfare class is going to be to, to, to get those questions answered, to actually have a format where uh, dialogue can occur with some degree of higher level teaching, but it, it's going to be primarily based around the question. So um, for those of you that have already taken the spiritual warfare class, you'll be getting an email. You'll be able to sign up. And we're going to do this before I go to Australia. Uh, for the rest of you that say, that sounds so cool. I want to know the higher level concepts, Daniel. I want to, I mean, you've talked about some pretty uh, out there things, but if they work, I'd like to know them. Well, you know, I'd recommend then taking our spiritual warfare class so that in upcoming rounds of what I would call advanced spiritual warfare because I plan to do them periodically like every couple months doing a weekend uh, advanced spiritual warfare uh, thing 
um, you'll be able to participate in those, plural. So without further ado, we have an awesome guest. I don't, I don't want to sit here and yak anymore. Folks, I'm done. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We'll be right back. Today, we are talking about prophetic prayer and the kingdom, part two. And I have as my guest, Apostle Keenan Bridges. And throughout uh, the past couple years, my mom loves to bring up Keenan Bridges. She really likes this gentleman. And the reason why is because he's really profound. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first time I had him on my program, which was actually a couple years ago, we had a great time. I believe we were talking about favor. And whenever we connect, uh, there was just such a revelation on the kingdom that we're both looking at. It's so exciting. So I love to have him. And to have chats with this gentleman, he has a profound revelation of the Word of God, and his ministry is revolutionizing many lives in the body of Christ. He is a senior pastor of Grace and Peace Global Fellowship in Tampa, Florida, where he lives with his wife, Gloria, and their three children. And he has a peculiar anointing for understanding and teaching the scriptures, along with the gifts of prophecy and healing. Uh, you can visit him at www.keenanbridges.com, and that's K-Y-N-A-N, bridges.com. Keenan, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you, my good friend, again. Yeah, well, we're going to have a good time today. I love talking about the kingdom, and today we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God in the context of prophetic prayer. And the reason why is because you have this book out. It's called The Power of Prophetic Prayer. And, and folks, I I have this book, by the way, and it's it's really good. I mean, it really gives you a lot of nuggets, just insights in how to pierce that veil that many Christians have a difficulty crossing with God, opening things up and accessing that which God has for us. And 
we got into a lot of things last time I had you on a couple months ago, Keenan, and I, I really wanted to start on the subject of, of boldness. Now, the thing is, I don't know if you've ever heard one of these like wet noodle prayers where they, you know, they come out and it's like, wow, that was underwhelming. Um, you talk about boldness in prayer in this book. Now, I want to, I want to, first of all, ask you, what do you mean about boldness in prayer? Like, what does boldness have to do with effective prayer in the kingdom of God? Well, good question. When we talk about boldness, we're talking about our confidence in God. And uh, it's based on a principle from the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, uh, the, the latter verse, and it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But it's, it's really loaded, because if you look at the Old Testament paradigm and the Old Testament pattern, there was no boldness in prayer. And the reason why there was no boldness is because the priest, even the high priest, was always subjected to the mercy of God when they entered into the Holy of Holies. In other words, if that priest was not fit, if he was not qualified based on the ceremonial laws and the Levitical laws, then that priest could die. You know, if there was a blemish upon his garment, if he, if he was unclean, the, the, the manifest presence of God would literally kill that priest. And so now you see in the New Covenant, the New Testament, Jesus, because his blood has saturated the mercy seat, and now the mercy seat has become a throne of grace. Same seat, but, but it's been transformed by the blood, and we've been transformed by the blood, so we don't have to come begging anymore. We don't have to come saying, okay, I'm here and I'm standing on bending knee as humbly as I know how, because of the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us, we now come to the throne and we can make our legal petitions. And I'll, I'll kind of say this. This is interesting. When you understand the legality of prayer, prayer is not a religious exercise. It's a legal transaction. And when, and when you come according to the precepts that have been established in the heavenly realm, you can have the boldness knowing that God hears you. <laughs> this is why Jesus said, <laughs> you know, when, when, he, when he was praying, he says, Father, I thank you. He didn't say, God, please hear me. He says, I thank you that you hear me, and you always hear me, because I always do that which is pleasing in your sight. In other words, Jesus as the Son the, 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 the man, Christ Jesus. In other words, in his humanity, there was unbroken fellowship between he and the Father. And because of that, prayer was not a terroristic act. In other words, he wasn't terrorized by prayer. He wasn't afraid to pray. He wasn't afraid to come to God because he knew that the, that, that, that place, that courtroom, that court of heaven was where he belonged. Ephesians teaches us that we were seated with him in heavenly places. So we're supposed to come boldly in prayer, knowing with confidence that God hears us and that we 
will receive an answer to what we pray for every single time. Hmm. Let's see. That's that's what I, I just love that. Now, that means that the believer is actually there before the throne of grace. Yes. In heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes. It it's it it it's not their laundry closet that becomes the throne of grace. Uh-oh. It's the actual, real. You know, this is the the amazing thing, Keenan, that I, I just love about um, pulling back the veil on Scripture. You know. Um, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the, the, the work of Jesus, right? And what he did yes. as high priest. And there's a real revelation that there's a pulling back of the veil so that what was seen in shadows, types, and figures, is now revealed in him. And yes. that what that representation was, the mercy seat... That was a shadow of what was to come in him. And what we looked at in the natural now became relocated in the spirit. What the high priest did in the natural now Jesus does in the spirit and in him we as as well. It's a total bridge into an engagement of the spirit realm for the life of the believer. Yes, absolutely. Very much so. (sighs) And, you know... Mm-hmm. I want to I want to emphasize for our listeners the legality of prayer. Mm. Um, the analogy that Jesus gave again, we've talked about this before, but the analogy that Jesus gave when he was describing prayer was a courtroom. He says a woman went before the unjust judge. So now, when we use the term judge, it means that there is a legal proceeding. In this case, the woman was more than likely in a civil dispute. And the only way she was going to have what she needed and to get the results she wanted out of that circumstance, she had to have a rendering or a judgment issued in her favor. Now, no, 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 this is this is interesting. Mm-hmm. The Bible mm-hmm. talks about it says um, that the woman asked that the judge would avenge her of her adversary. This is based on Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, that, that I would be avenged of my adversary. Well, the word adversary, antidikos, it means a person who is involved in a legal dispute against you, an opponent in a lawsuit. Which means that this is why the Bible refers to Satan as the accuser. He is the the one who tries to prosecute the believer and thus hinder the believer from receiving what God has already made available to them, which we, we grab hold of or appropriate through prayer. So what happens is that when most people go into a courtroom and they're guilty, they hold their head down and they say, well, Oh my God, they're, they're throwing themselves at the mercy of the judge. But as the believer is concerned, because the blood of Jesus has already, or I feel the Holy Ghost, has exonerated us and qualified us or justified us, we can go into the courtroom knowing that we have a legal right 
to be vindicated in whatever matter we face. For example, if a believer has a sickness in their body and they're, they're facing that, what most believers do, the reason why many believers, and people may get mad at me when I say this, but the reason why many believers never get healed or they never receive their healing is because the frailties, the failures, the faults, the sins in their life somehow become a precluding agent that keep them from boldly seizing and saying what God has for them. And the enemy comes and says, well, you have cancer now. You remember you cursed out your mother 20 years ago, and that's why God put that cancer on you to teach you a lesson. And they buy the lie from the anti-decoff, the adversary, the accuser, the one who is using legal terminology to intimidate them. But all the blood of Jesus, because of the blood and because of the righteousness of, of, of Jesus Christ, we can come boldly knowing not only that we've been justified and exonerated, but we also have, we have an advocate. <laughs> and the advocate is more powerful than the adversary. Hmm. So when he speaks, we now have the legal tender or the medium to receive the judgment on our behalf. In other words, I can tell cancer, you have no chance in my body. The reason why you don't have any chance is, number one, 2,000 years ago, Jesus annihilated you on the cross. Number two, with his stripes, I am healed. So based on the laws that have been decreed from the court of heaven, healing is mine. And, oh, by the way, I did curse my mother out 20 years ago, but I'm forgiven of that. So thank you. Bless you. And you move on. And you receive your breakthrough. So this is what we talk about when we talk about boldness. It's that uh, the, the ability, the confidence to appropriate what God has, has made available to you. There, there is a lot of legality in prayer, Keenan. I, I have found on my journey that the more effective I become at moving with the spirit of truth and revelation, yes, the ability to hear what God is saying on any issue at any specific point in time and speaking to it, the more effective mm -hmm. the prayers become. Yes. As a matter of fact, oh, wow, there's, there's, there's so much to be said. You know, this is a thing that I think that uh, people really don't understand is this concept of being in Christ. I, I went on a long journey to understand this one, but this, this is the idea. The Bible says, There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 8.1. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that we're in Him, right? So the Bible also says that we are justified freely by the grace that is found where? Where's the grace? In Christ mm -hmm. Jesus. When we think about a, a courtroom... If you like, like, if I walk into a courtroom, Keenan, and I stand before a judge, where is my liver? What's in me? The judge actually can't mm -hmm. look at my liver without looking at me. He has to see me. He sees my That's face, right. not the liver. And, and right. when we walk into the courts of heaven, <laughs> the judge looks at Jesus. That's right. And, and so where does that put us positionally? I mean, it's just such a radical revolution in, in thought. And, and not that there's nothing to the idea of renouncing a, uh, you know, an inner vow, which is an effective way to do things sometimes. But the revelation that we're talking about, which is really 
absolutely true is that the right, the boldness, everything is there in him. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. That's right. Let me let me ask you this question, man. What is the connection between identity and hearing the voice of God? Well, it's difficult to hear something or someone you don't identify with. And the challenge that if believers see themselves as detached from Christ, they do not have the confidence to receive from him because they believe that they have been separated from him. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In other words, when we, <laughs> when we, when Jesus had unbroken communion and fellowship with the Father, in fact, what got him killed, what really got him killed in his earthly ministry was his pronunciation that he and the Father were one. The Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So when we, when we realize that we are in him and he is in us, this is John 17. Jesus prays, Father, I pray that they may be one just as we are one. And I am in you and you are in me. And then he says, and we are in them. So when there's this continuity of relationship and communion, it is easier to hear his voice because we recognize that he's in me. I can hear I can hear from someone easily when I know they're in me and I know that I'm in them. I can receive from someone easily when I know they're in me and I am in them. I can I can recognize someone when I know that they are in me and I am in them. And so the deception of the enemy is to disconnect you from that identification with Jesus. Now you're not the enemy can't disconnect you from him. But what he can do is in your mind disconnect your consciousness, your ability to walk in that awareness that, that you know what, he is with me. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, so identity is key in hearing the voice of God because everything that we'll ever receive as a believer flows through our identity, flows through not only who we are but whose we are. So that's a very vital connection. Have you seen it where people they have this like genuine gift from God, say they mm -hmm. receive the gift of speaking in other tongues, and then someone comes along and says, well, that's of the devil, and suddenly they question everything God's done in their lives? Yes, I've seen it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the devil's always attacking identity, Keenan. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, man. This guy is all about destroying identity. And when the identity goes, so goes the entire, I mean, so much. Uh, I think identity is part of the reason why I would say believers live far beneath inheritance and privilege yes. as yes. kingdom citizens. Yes, because identity is the key to unlock authority. Wow. If an officer doesn't know who he is, he can't arrest anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens is you can't seize what you don't know belongs to you. And you can't know what belongs to you until you recognize who you are. 
See, and, and this is what I think a lot of people think. They, they say, and I was getting into this with uh, another guest I had. We call it the reduced, he calls it the reduced gospel, Pastor Paul Tothill. A great, great, uh, concise explanation of this idea that once a believer comes to Jesus, they are nothing more than a low, good, no down, worthless sinner. Saved by grace. That's mm-hmm. all they are. Gum on the bottom of the world's shoe to be stepped on mm-hmm. repeatedly until they die and go to heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's an identity flaw in my, my opinion. You know, It's like, why would God talk to me when I'm down there? I think... <laughs> I mean, do you spend much time talking to gum on the bottom of your shoe, Keenan? I don't. Oh, man, like, I'm telling you. Ah. You know, okay. I want to ask you about this. We're talking about um, identity, and I asked you about hearing the voice of God. And you you talk about in your book the situation where, you know, seeing in the Spirit, which I believe can be a way we hear from God, was essential. As a matter of fact, your wife had a vision of a spider web. And you yes. you responded to that in a very specific way that was effective. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So in this particular instance, my wife and I uh, was were having some very, very serious struggles. And I talk about this. I actually have a teaching on it uh, called the spirit of prevention. And we were... In other words, we were supposed to be experiencing, enjoying, and receiving certain things, and they were not happening. Um, this struggles, financial, other struggles, and we just got tired. So one day we prayed. Now, this is a very powerful connection, and people need to understand this. Prayer was the key to entering in to the revelation of what was going on. And this is why we must always pray. Because until we prayed, we couldn't know what was happening in the spirit realm. Because prayer is what gives us the access, the access mechanically into the spiritual realm. Now, we know the blood of Jesus is what gives us the legal access into the heavenly realm, into the throne of grace. But from a mechanical or functional standpoint, it's prayer that gives us the ability to enter in to that to that that spiritual understanding that spiritual realm and so that's what we did we began to pray and my wife saw in the spirit it was like a, a vision she saw that there was a spider web and in the spider web was a bunch of stuff it was a car it was just a bunch of different things and so we began to address the spirit of prevention that was blocking the manifestation of things that we were believing God to do in our lives and as we did that there was an instant release. The, the situation, it didn't take six months, it didn't take six years, it didn't take six weeks. It took six minutes. Because once we addressed the strong man, once we addressed the spirit of prevention, we were able to receive. And so we began to address this spider web. You know, spider web, uh, it, it was hovering over where we were and it was holding things captive. That's what a spider web does. A spider web is what the spider uses to catch his prey, to keep something stuck or keep something suspended. 
in a state of suspension. And there are millions of believers that are saying, God, why? Why, why, haven't, why haven't you healed me? Why haven't you uh, turned my finances around? Why haven't you uh, saved this person? And why haven't you done this and this and that? And what we have to understand, according to the laws of God, the Bible says in Genesis 126, it says that, it says that, uh, that let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. The word dominion at its root is the, is the word domain. When we talk about kingdom, we're talking about the domain of a king or the territory. When God spoke that into being, he gave man legal jurisdiction in the earth realm. Oh, my God, this is good. Which means that the only way God can intervene in man's affairs is if he has an invitation. Yes. He must have an invitation to intervene in the affairs of man because he has given man the legal jurisdiction in the territory of the earth. And so what happens is that when we never pray, we never send an invitation. And then we're frustrated that God isn't doing things, that he's not moving things. And so as we begin to pray about this situation, literally, then it was supernaturally turned around. The blessings began to flow. I got a phone call literally minutes later saying that a financial transaction had gone through. Everything started flowing just like that. Now, had I not had the, the revelation, this is so key, to understand what was going on, I would have still been in that situation till today and mad at God that he didn't answer my prayer. And so that's it. I think believers need to understand this. You know, one time we had an event that we were uh, putting together. It was a ministry event. This was several years ago, and we were partnering with another ministry. And up until this time, they had very, very low attendance. They didn't really have a lot of people that were uh, coming out and being involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so one day I was praying for God to bring the people. I said, Lord, bring the people. Let them come. You know, bring, bring in the sheep from the four corners, and I'm praying all these prayers. And I, I heard the Lord say to me, he said, you bring them. Said, what? <laughs> he said, you bring them. You release them. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, didn't I tell you in Matthew 16 that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose upon the earth shall be loosed in heaven? I said, wow. And so I said, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, through the authority of your word and the authority vested in me as a child and citizen of the kingdom of God, I release those people who you have uh, purposed, destined, and ordained to be here from any hindrances, blockages, stoppages, stagnations. And I just went on and on as the Lord revealed it to me in prayer. And they had the largest attendance they had ever had in years. But it was because of the power of prayer to shift the spiritual fabric of our lives. That's what prayer does. Prayer literally has the power to shift the fabric of your life and to transform the state, the condition, the reality of your life to look exactly like 
heaven on earth as it is in heaven. You, you know, what you're describing is so, so essential. And I get similar questions all the time. People, they write us in and they say, you know, well, why this or, or why that? Or how does this work? They're looking for mechanics. They're looking for an explanation because this is what happens. Lord God, I pray that my finances would do better. And then nothing happens. And they're like, well, what am I missing? You know, one of the things that I, I, I'm realizing, is that as, and you just it's illustrated so well, that there's like different levels of where and how things are taking place. Like there, there's a place where like, and, and Paul brings this out in second Corinthians chapter 12. I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. He was caught up to the third heaven. As a matter of fact, you've had some experiences where you didn't know whether you were in your body or what, but we're going to get to that. I want to, I want to have you talk about that, but he, he was like there in this place he calls third heaven. And like, if there's a third heaven, then it's, it's just obvious, right? Okay, three, in order to have three, you must have two. In order to have two, you would have one. So you have like three heavens, three spheres. And so where we go before the throne of grace in the third heaven, which is where God's kingdom is, is a place where we agree and declare his word. And, you know, it's, it's, the Bible says that, all of the promises in God are yes in him and amen in him. It's like God's just waiting for our amen to his yes on all of these promises. But then when you go back to like Daniel chapter 10, you see that Daniel speaks words and the angels comes and says, I am come for your words 21 days later. He said, I was held mm. up by the prince of Persia. What it, I mean, you're like, yeah, there's still that. It, there's this net. There's this web. It is hindering what should have come from heaven but it's in the way and then there's this earth plane where we live and sometimes god says hey pick up your shovel and dig a ditch like do something with your hands actually respond in the natural don't just sit there and agree in your mind speak the word show up wake up in the morning when your alarm clock goes off and go to work, like there's like different planes <laughs> and alignment yeah. must be brought in through obedience and faith, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're living in seasons now where the church has to get a revelation of prophetic prayer more than ever before in our lives. Because God is waiting on a generation of people to prophesy. Mm. Now that word prophesy means to utter forth or to speak forth. In other words, it is to declare God's will over every situation. So you can't declare what you don't know. You cannot declare what you do not know. And this is what communion is all about. This is what intercession is all about. The Bible says, Go uh, when you pray. Go into your closet, not just referring to, you know, your shoe closet or your purse closet, but go into that secret place. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Go into that place of intimacy, that place of fellowship, and the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Actually, the Greek word for secret place or closet. Is, is is referring to a bedchamber. Hmm. 
which means that every time we have intimacy with God in prayer, we are to come out bearing fruit. We are to come out pregnant with something. We're to come out full of something. And it is in the place of prayer that we come out and operate in authority. I'll give an example. There's a type and shadow of this in the book of Genesis. Remember remember what, what, what is often referred to as Jacob's ladder? Yes. Okay. Well, it wasn't Jacob's ladder. It was God's ladder. And what happened was he comes to this place, and he has a vision of angels ascending and descending, ascending and descending. And, and he says, I will call this place Bethel, for surely the Lord is in this place. And this is the gate of heaven. Is that not what the Bible says? So he goes and he begins to, he builds an altar there. Now, Bethel means house of God, but watch this. The angels ascending and descending are a prophetic type of intercession, prophetic intercession. Because, listen to this, we ascend to the throne in prayer, in intercession and worship. And I'm talking about functioning loud because we are already seated. Ontologically, we are already seated with him in heavenly places. But we, we consciously ascend in prayer. Now watch this. It didn't say they were descending and ascending. It said they were ascending and descending, which means that as we ascend in that in that posture of prophetic prayer, we descend with power and authority. So in the natural, when you have a, a situation, let's say there's a lawsuit and someone is being defrauded and they go before the judge and they, they, they get a, they, they're trying to get a judgment against the person that has defrauded them. Once they go to the courtroom and they get a verdict, and they come out of the courtroom, they come out of the courtroom with power. Now, it is their responsibility and the responsibility of the officers of the court to enforce what has been deemed rightfully theirs. So when we ascend, we, we, we act as officers of the court to enforce what God has spoken in the courtroom of heaven to enforce that reality, to enforce that law in the earth. The Bible says, I've set my word above all thy names, Psalm 138. It says also in the book of Psalms, it says, Thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. So what is settled in heaven must be enforced in the earth. And so once we know the will, purpose, and plan of God, we are to speak that will into being. We're, we are to proclaim it. We are to declare it prophetically and now the next step is to act accordingly you know if you believe in if you believe in God to heal your body act healed if you believe in God to save your family members act like they're saved you know you don't want to every five minutes you say oh God these devils in my house the, the more you do that you are neutralizing the effectiveness of what God has spoken over your life but once once God has said it we believe it, we say it again, and we act on it. And this is how we begin to see the manifestation of the plan and purpose of God in our lives. You know what? Talk to me about prophetic prayer and destiny. Say again? Talk to me about prophetic prayer and, and destiny. Because a lot of people, 
they, they, they want to know, hmm, what am I supposed to be doing and how am I supposed to be doing it? I'm praying, but God doesn't seem to be interested in showing me what to do. What do you say? You know, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them who, are lo who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, there are two problems with that scripture, Brother Dan. I'm going to tell you what it is. All right. Number one, we don't read the scriptures that come before that, and we don't read the scriptures that come after that. Uh-oh. That's two big problems. <laughs> yeah. So before we can get to Romans 8.28, what does the scripture say? Romans 8.26 says this. It says, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us. Can I read? Can I read it to you? Because it's, it's very powerful. Look, man. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And then it goes further to say this. It says, it says, uh, and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints, watch this, according to the will of God. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 20, uh, sorry, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, verse 30, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he also called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. What am I saying? I'm saying that the will of God will never be manifest in your life if you're not praying. Romans 8.28 only applies to those who are praying. You may say, I... I don't understand that. Well, the Spirit helps our infirmities, but he can't help something that's not being done. You know, if I'm helping you, Dan, that means that you're, you know, don't you hate when somebody invites you to help move their furniture and you're the only one moving the furniture? Oh, yeah. They say, help me move, but what they really mean is move for me. <laughs> and, and, and what we do oftentimes, we don't understand that there is a, there is a co-laboring that must happen. In fact, when the Bible talks about the word help, it's the word uh, uh, really is it, referring to he that works alongside or comes together with to accomplish a purpose, to work alongside or to come together with. In other words, as we begin to seek God, and we begin to meditate in the Word of God, and we discover God's will. How do we know His will? His Word. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good and not of evil, which means that no matter where I am, what I'm facing, what I'm dealing with, if I will simply announce and pronounce the will of God for my life, prophetically, my life will begin to shift. You could have been raped, molested, uh, uh, left for dead, but once you realize, okay, here's the revelation. 
God's will for me is good, which means that I will not tolerate anything that contradicts what God says his will is for my life because I have been predestined to look, think, and function like Jesus. I have been predestined to operate in the mind of Christ. I have been predestined to walk in authority. I have been predestined to prosper. And so because of that knowledge of where I've been predestined to go, then I can now begin to pray. And as I pray, the Holy Spirit supernaturally begins to work the elements in my life to accomplish my destiny so that no matter where I am on my journey, you know, prayer is like a GPS, the God positioning system. And once sometimes you make a wrong turn when you're going somewhere. Sometimes you may have gone north when you should have gone south. And, and what happens is the, the, the GPS will take your coordinates and they will factor it into their algorithm. And, and show you where you need to go from there. It'll say rerouting, rerouting. And, and this is how you get back on the route. This is how you make a U-turn in, in five miles. Do this, do that. And that's how it is. As we, as we look at prayer prophetically, prayer becomes a mechanism to actually release our destinies so that you can begin to pray the manifestation of your destiny the will of God, the purpose of God for your life into being. And you don't have to wait on anybody else to do this. Once you know it, it's time for you to begin to speak it. It's time for you to begin to declare it. You don't have to, I don't care if your pastor doesn't agree with it. I don't care what, what, your, what your, your parents say about it. Once God has told you who you are and where you're going, it's time for you to start praying that destination into being. And that's how we release our destinies prophetically. You know, the reality is that the Bible would not say the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy if he could not actually be capable of stealing. I, this, oh. this is so important for believers to understand. Like, I, I, I um, want to bang my head up on the wall when I hear these believers say, well, the, the will of God is just going to be done. And it's mm. like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm twiddling my thumbs, Dan Duvall. What else should I be doing? Uh, uh, <laughs> let me introduce you to my friend Keenan Bridges so he can explain it to you. <laughs> because this is the thing, you know. I, I remember I was at one church. They told me, Daniel, the purpose of prayer is so that you can share in the joy of those that have been blessed by the Lord when he moves according to his will. It's like, yeah, there is a promise about sharing in joy with prayer. But, you know, the reason why I was told that is because the philosophy is God's controlling everything that happens automatically. He just like started the world and pushed play. And everything that happens is exactly what he wants. That's right. And then we just arrive at the destination. However, we might get there. And if we want a little bonus, we can pray and we might get some joy, you know, but really it's just, and, and, and it's not true. If the thief couldn't steal, if it was just press play and watch him do that, like he wouldn't say it that way. The devil steals destinies, Kenan. He steals them and Christians sit there and twiddle their thumbs and watch him do it. 
<laughs> you know, let me say uh-huh. something that I think is, is fitting here. Prayer, prayer is the means for releasing spiritual influence in the earth. Prayer is the means for releasing spiritual influence in the earth. And the ironic part about it, you know the ironic part about it, Brother Dan? Mm. The world knows this more than the church does. Mm-hmm. For example, when a business person is diagnosed with an illness, I'm talking about a non-believer, they will get on a plane from Boca Raton, Florida, or Miami, and they'll fly to Phoenix, Arizona, or somewhere in Nevada, and they'll go see a crystal healer. And they will subject themselves to this person's influence to change the condition of their physical body. A person will go from here to New York or here to New Jersey, and they will go see a psychic. And that psychic will tell them things and do things for them that will affect the trajectory of their lives. The, the, the African person will go to a shaman or a, a, a witch doctor when they want to be elected to a, a Congress position or be a senator or the president. And this person will release influence over them in order for the, the trajectory, the circumstances of their lives to change. Now, these things that I just named are demonic. And ultimately, these people, if they continue in this, it will destroy them. It's a counterfeit. We have the real thing and don't use it. We have the ability. See, prayer changes things. Prayer, it's not, this is not by osmosis. We're not supposed to sit by and, and, and float on tulips till we get to Canaan land, the sweet by and by, the devil is a liar. We're supposed to release influence in the earth. We're supposed to change the atmosphere. But what if I told you that prayer could actually shift the atmosphere, literally shift the atmosphere? That's the power that prayer has. In other words, God wants to partner with us in order to release his destiny in the earth. In fact, I say that many believers have what I call a medieval mindset. You know what a medieval mindset? I, I'm is? really, really excited about this. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like I'm taking notes right now. A medieval mindset is God willeth it. Ah! That's what they said ah! in the medieval times. They would Oof. say God willeth it. Uh-huh. It means that whatever happened was will of God. So. So this was used as an abusive, manipulative, religious controlling tactic to keep the commoner under subjection to evil. And they did it in the name of God willeth it. God willeth it. And it wasn't until the Protestant Reformation where somebody said, hey, listen, read the Bible for yourself. (laughs) Stop. Stop taking the priest's word for it. Stop, stop taking the bishop, the cardinal's word for it. Read it for you. This is what the word of God says. And when we understand that we are, the Bible says we are co-laborers together with him. 
We are co-laborers, and that might offend some religious people, but it's actually in the Bible. We are co-laborers together with him. God wants to partner with us to bring transformation. The problem, we need to stop playing and start praying. We need to stop playing and start praying. <laughs> One of my hobbies, I don't know, I, I haven't told you this before. I have, I, I have a few hobbies in life. One of them is kicking the devil in the teeth. Love it. So it's a, it's a hobby. I, I and and you know what? Another hobby though is ticking off religious people. Love it. It's just great. It's fantastic. You get the mean emails, mean snide comments on YouTube. Daniel, how could you say that? Delete. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's so true, right? Because people they get locked in these fallacies. One, I think one of the, I mean, you know, the choirs of hell were singing glory. Like when they figured out that they could tell people God willeth it. And we, they're like, they bought it. They bought that. Oh, God. yes. <laughs> we're going to have a field day with these chumps. I mean, and you know what? They have had a field day because this is what happens. I look at it like, you know, Christian leaves the front door wide open. Unbelief, lack of faith. And, uh, you know, and habitual sins. And so so d devil walks in the door, right? And then he, you know, it's like, hmm, what do I want to take? Now the believer's there twiddling his thumb. God willeth it. God willeth it. Devil's like, yeah, I'll take your oven. I'll take your couch. <laughs> I'm going to take that painting on the wall. Oh, look at that. Is that one of your kids? I'll take him too. You know, he just puts him over the shoulder, carries him out. Person sitting there twiddling there. No, God willeth it. I, I, I love that medieval thinking. That, that is fantastic. You know, and what do they do? What they don't do is call the cops. Why? <laughs> because there's a warrant out for the arrest of the guy that just walked in their house sitting on their counter. Nah, don't need it. I will sit here and wait for God. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, my friend. Just, it, it, it never consider that that word wait in the Hebrew actually is an earnest expectation. It's a state of abiding faith, not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. I mean, it, this is just, it's, you know, the Bible says <laughs> the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You can rewrite that and say, right. so if the righteous don't pray, much will not happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's very correct. I mean, what if, what if I told people, what if people understood that the extent of their destinies was contingent upon the earnestness of their prayers? Hmm. I mean, the, the spiritual realm is governed by laws similar to the natural realm. For example, seed time and harvest, you cannot go out and expect a crop of potatoes if no potatoes were planted. In the same way, we cannot expect to walk in power and influence in the earth if we're not praying. And a part of the medieval mentality is to 
sublease our destinies to someone else. In other words, to 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 pass the baton to circumstances and become victims. So we say, you know, I just I so I was going through some things and and, and the devil came in and, and God taught me a lot through that. God can teach you a lot through anything. That doesn't mean that was his preference. Ooh. His preference is that you pray. You said you can no. sublease your destiny. I'm sorry. That okay. I just wanted to highlight that. <laughs> wow. Go, go ahead. Go. Ahead. I, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, 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 no. It's fine. It, it, this changed my life. I didn't write a book because I just needed another title in my library. This is my life. This is this changed everything because I stopped being a victim. Then I stopped living as a victim of my own self-oppression. Let me say that again. I stopped living as a victim to my own self-oppression and I said you know what there must be more than this Jesus said of the woman with the issue of blood she said if I may but touch the hem of his garment then she says something that's dangerous 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 then she says I will be made whole <laughs> hmm. in other words hmm. when she made that prophetic declaration it left no room for unanswered prayer. In her mind and in her heart, leaving home empty-handed was not even an option anymore. What am I saying? What would happen if we played, we prayed with no plan B? Yeah. I am no going... Mm. I'm going to ask you this question, man. Yeah. It's, it's, this is just, just really huge. See, okay, so... What we're talking about is, is, is the nuts and bolts, right? Um, stop losing, Christians, and, and get with God's program. You, if you... Mm -hmm pray the word of God and you are and according to the prophet oh man okay you talk about something in your book called praying by tapping into God's emotions mm -hmm. yeah you know a, a part of prayer you know a part of the prophetic right um, when when it talks about praying prophetically, mm -hmm. one of the definitions for that is to pray with divine emotion. You know, we've been taught in the church that you know, depending on your background, depending on the ecclesiastical structure of how you were reared in the church environment, many of us were taught that emotions and God are are so separate, are so antithetical that there's no really union between the two, but God feels things. And when we learn to tap into the heart of God, when we pray, 
to speak with divine emotion. In other words, we have, we have synchronized. This thing is so powerful. When you learn to synchronize with the syncopation of the heart of God. Now, let me give people a scripture for this because they'll, they'll, they'll say, hmm, where is that in the Bible? Well, the Bible says, Isaiah, he says, he says, give me the tongue of the learned that I may speak a word in season to him or her that may be weary. In other words, what was Isaiah really praying? He was saying, Lord, I want to tap into the heart of God. Jesus lived this way. The Bible says he would go to a place and it said he would be moved with compassion. Whose compassion? God's compassion for those people. In other words, when we learn to be spiritual cardiologists and to see and sense the heart of God for our situation, it will alter the way we pray forever. It will offer, alter the way we speak to situations. Because what people never ask is, what's God's heart concerning this situation? Before, you know, one of the things that the Lord's given me a heart for lately is, we have a tendency in the church to discard people. In other words, people who are abandoned, abused, rejected, we often vilify victims and we demonize the sick rather than trying to figure out what is God's heart for these people. Jesus understood something. When the, when the Pharisees or the religious community came to accuse a woman caught in adultery, they said the law says that this woman should be stoned. He says, well, now what do you say? He says, well, he that is without sin cast the first stone. What was he saying? Was he, was he nullifying the law? Absolutely not. He was saying that God's heart for this woman is more than a technicality. It is greater than her sin. It is greater than the, the, the situation she's found herself in. And when we learn the heart of God concerning our lives, and we start praying with vehement desire and passion. In fact, this is what the scripture says. It says in James chapter 5, the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous is highly effective. That fervency, that, that, that the Greek word energeo, the energy of God, it's like when you tap into the heart of God, it's like an electromagnetic pulse. That pulse of his heart energizes your heart and it changes the way you pray. Because now I'm not just looking at what I see, nor am I going based on what I feel in the natural, but I'm tapped into something supernatural. And as I tap in, 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 into something supernatural, I begin to supersede the natural, to pray above circumstances, not according to them, to pray above the pain, not according to it. And when we do that, we are taking supremacy. Oh, I feel this thing. I don't know. Let me just say this, and I'm going I'm to I'm I'm stop it here. Prayer is supernatural. Prayer is a supernatural act. This is why most people don't do it, because nothing in our fallen nature knows how to pray. It is completely countercultural and antithetical to everything that we are, because when something goes wrong, we immediately, we immediately retreat to our lower instincts. 
with your fight and flight. You know what? I'm either going to fight this or run from this. But very few people really pray. Now, we will complain. But I'm telling people, stop complaining and start proclaiming. But that takes educating yourself. That takes renewing of the mind. The power of a transformed mind. Your mind has to be renewed so that you can approach things from God's vantage point. And here's what I'm saying. Because prayer is supernatural. As we learn to pray supernaturally, we will, watch this, supersede the natural and take supremacy over our circumstances. And that is, in fact, what it means to live in dominion. And I'm saying to the people listening, the highest form of achievement is not being a millionaire or even a billionaire. God wants you to be a dominionaire. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. You know, this is, a lot of these believers, they, they do this thing, right? They pray, Lord, give me, um, throw me a bone, if it be your will. Throw me a bone. First of all, they don't have a promise to stand on, right? Because throw me a bone is not actually in the Bible. That one, that, no, it's not a scripture. Um, God, is, so, so what are you doing, right? If it be your will. This is what people do. They are so disenfranchised by the identity conversation that's been stolen from them that they assume I can't know God's will. Therefore, whatever I ask must have this safety clause of humility, which is, I would say, just an ignorance clause of false humility. And... And, and then they, they tag it on their prayer, which has no basis in the word of God whatsoever. They don't have a promise to stand on. And they throw it out there and complain after it doesn't really work. But you're saying something very different. Keenan, you are saying, don't assume you can't know the will of God. Plug into his very heart and decree the heart of God. Yes, Absolutely. You had, Absolutely. oh my gosh, you had an experience where Jesus showed you his heart. I need to have you talk about this, man. This is powerful. This is something that has really changed my life and caused me to be a different kind of person. And I had a visitation. Now, again, you know, people say, you know, whether or not this can or can't be. I don't care if people say I had it. So I, I probably didn't think it could happen before I had it. But whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I'm in my room, and Jesus literally walked into my room. And he didn't say much. And you'll find most people will tell you that he's not much of a talker. He doesn't need to. He's, he's, done, he's done all. He said all he needs to say. <laughs> so he comes in the room, and he's wearing this... Um, Garment like a like a gown, a white gown. It was very brilliant. His face was shining. I couldn't even see his features because he, the glory was all over his face. And um, he reaches into his gown and he pulls out his heart, and it's literally beating. And he says, "This is my heart for the nation." And as I looked into his heart, I saw every tribe, nation, and tongue on the planet Earth. 
and he says, my heart is beating for the nations. And I begin to feel his heart beating. I wept because there was an impartation from the heart of Jesus to my heart. I felt everything that he felt for those people. I felt the pain. That, and one of the biggest things he said to me in this visitation was, he says, he says that his heart was broken because he had been mischaracterized by people. In other words, the people think that he's the one causing them pain and agony, rather the one that has, has come to deliver them from it. And you cannot be delivered when you are angry at your deliverer. Wow. And it, I, I tell you, man, it's one of those experiences that it just, it will always resonate with me. I've, I've had several others since then, but it, it will always resonate with me. But it showed me that God has a plan and a will and a desire for his people. And 99.9% .9 of believers are unaware of it. 99.9% .9 of believers are waiting on something to happen. 99.9 .9 believers are saying, God, when are you going to come through? And God says, I came through for you 2,000 years ago. I sent Jesus to break the veil, to pierce the veil, to rend the veil. That thing, that, that mentality, that consciousness that keeps you out of my presence and keeps you as a victim and keeps you in the court of the Gentiles, that thing has been broken. Now we need the revelation that we have legal access into the presence and power and the authority of Jesus himself in the earth. I mean, it's time for us to legislate, Brother Dan. And I'm not, I'm not talking about on the council floor. I'm talking about from our prayer closet to change things, to shift things, to transform our culture. To everybody's, you know, it's so, it's so funny to me, and I know this may step on toes, but everybody wants to talk about Who's the next presidential candidate? Can I submit to you? It does not matter. Hmm. Because if the church were doing what we were called to do, things would look different. And the audacity and the shame of the church to try to blame a presidential candidate or personality on our walls. Where were we when they were elected? <laughs> Where were we? Where were we spiritually when they got into office? Where, and so we try to shift blame to people who don't even know God, nor have the response. The God, the Bible didn't say, it didn't say that 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 if my president, who was called by my name, will humble himself and pray, mm -hmm. that I heal them. And he said, if my people. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say the world will know what kind of church you are if if there's if there's a, a Republican in office and, and not a Democrat. He said they'll know that I'm alive based on your love one for another. So what I'm saying is we got some we, we got some praying to do. We have an assignment to fulfill. And we have the power to shift things in the spiritual realm. Man, that do you know the same thing that they proposed here, they proposed in Australia? And the believer said, no. 
<laughs> we're we're not having it here. And that's the power that we have. We don't believe it, but that's the power we have. We can say no. One of the most powerful words in the human vocabulary. No. Devil says I'm gonna rob you I'm gonna rob you home. No, no you're not. I'm gonna make you sick. No you won't, not today. Not ever. I'm gonna steal your children. No N O in the name of Jesus. I refuse to comply with that. The devil can do nothing without your compliance. There is such a need for this to root itself in people's belief systems. Yes. You know, this is one of the things I can't, and there's only so much you can do as a instrument in the hand of God, like you speak, but really the Holy Spirit is the teacher because he's the one that carries that into a person's heart where they begin to operate out of the revelation. Folks, this, what we're talking about, this key unlocks the destiny, not only of your life, cities and nations, the power that the church is squatting on is sufficient to unlock the destinies of cities and what, what, what was in Jesus's heart, Keenan? I, I think I, cause someone may have forgotten what was in there. I'm pretty sure it wasn't just your family. Mm. <laughs> Everyone. It, it, nations. Every nation. I'm, I'm like, whoa. So if we're going to mm-hmm. decree the heart of God, how big do those mm-hmm. prayers get? Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, <laughs> I I believe that some Christians have gotten trapped by their own eschatology, study of last things. Like you just you, you know the, the promises of God don't stop working no matter what phase of earth history we are in. Period. Mm. It doesn't go mm. moving the last days. Suddenly the Bible gets rewritten. Like. All these promises suddenly go away. God doesn't honor them anymore. And we just, you know, suffer and die at the hand of the devil. Now, um, no. Mm. No. It, I, I think people have a problem because they disconnect from the heart of God. They, they can't possibly understand even where their calling or destiny resides within the plans of God. They're so disconnected. Mm. You know, I believe, Keenan, that there are people that are called to shake cities and nations, and they believe that God doesn't want to do that. And for that reason, they don't even know how to pray themselves into their own destiny. They can't hear God on the subjects touching their destiny. They're frozen, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My God. <sighs> I'm talking to someone now. I'm <laughs> sorry. Keenan, I mean... What what do you have to say to this, man? What I have to say is that it's time. Mm. It's time. It's time for us to stop running and to take our places. Now is the time. This is the hour. This is the season for the manifestation of the sons of God. Not just the servants, but sons. And as we enter into the reality of our sonship, we can begin to operate prophetically in the earth, prophetically in prayer, and release not only the individual destiny 
of our families, of ourselves, but the collective destiny of the body of Christ, which, by the way, we all have the same destiny, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And as we begin to pray along those lines, things will change. And that's all, folks. <laughs> you, you know what? I, 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 folks, I don't, I don't think you need anything else right now. Like that, let that sink in. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> wow. You know, Keenan, thank you. Thank you. www.keenanbridges.com, K Y N A N bridges.com. Folks, his book, The Power of Prophetic Prayer. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.